Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And uh, like so many people, we'll be delivering uh, so many Three Musketeers and Reese's Pieces and uh, the like to children on Halloween. She delivers to you the sweet, sweet, sweet candy that is the truth. I am William Clear. This is Pop Talk and Aliens. It is a podcast. It is Halloween time. And that, of course, means that uh, I am forced... (laughs) And not against my will, but I am forced to talk about the Halloween franchise once again. And probably for the last time. Or at least for many, many years. Because Halloween Ends has hit theaters and Peacock. And it is the final in the new trilogy of Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween movies. Been talking about them the last few years because they keep coming out. And I keep reviewing them because it's uh, the Halloween episode and... Because they came out. So, you know, I don't mean to be repetitive. But I'm not going to be because I'm going to talk about a, a movie that you haven't that uh, is new. So it won't be repetitive. And maybe you have seen it. Maybe you haven't. If you saw uh, Halloween uh, 2018 and liked it and saw Halloween Kills last year and didn't like it. Uh, and you saw this one. You, well, I don't know. Uh, the user reviews tend to suggest that people don't like it. I will tell you what I think of it. And I will also tell you what I think of uh, the new show on Netflix called The Midnight Club, because it's brought to you by Mike Flanagan, who is one of my favorite of, uh, you know, people who do horror movies these days of uh, the new school. And a uh, little UFO news to talk about, too, to, you know, to make things uh, spice it up and give you some pop talk of Halloween and aliens. So, why don't we start off with the, with the UFOs and then and then we'll get to the to the to the Halloween ends and the Halloween kills and the Halloween whatnot. Um, Halloween rears its face, the curse of Michael Myers, all of those things. Season of the Witch, of course. I'm not going to talk about all those movies. I've talked about them a million times. PopTalkAndAliens.com if you would like to hear past episodes of me reviewing the nonstop onslaught of Halloween franchise movies that have been coming out. Or if you want to hear any other episode uh, going back as far as 2015. And if you want to follow us um, on social media, you can do so at Pop Talk and Aliens on Instagram. That is the home base for all communications from this show. Please do so. And if you want to support the show, you know, you don't need to go to a, a, a free trial or enter a coupon code that has my name in it or some bullshit. You could just leave a rating on whatever podcast provider you're listening to this on. That would be awesome. You know, what I think four stars is like the whatever, you know, the high rating. Uh, I asked this last podcast and and several people did. I, I got notifications, there were reviews. And, you know, you don't need to write anything. Just the stars are enough. But one guy did write something. And I wanted to point it out because I, this is a, a great review. It's kind of left-handed and I don't know how complimentary it actually is. But I wanted to read it to you because it says... Uh, the title of the review, he titled it, gave, gave it four stars. So, you know, anything he could say, whatever the fuck he wants at this point. He gave four stars. And the title of the review is Closet UFO Nut. And the review goes on to say, disguised as a skeptical forum, this UFO nut is a contradictory character, takes a pessimistic approach to obsession of the mysterious, caters to those who have never read a book on the subject. 
I'd like to I'd like to unpack that a little bit. I don't know that I disguise this as a skeptical forum, but that's fine. This UFO nut, I don't know about that. Uh, he's contradicted contradictory character. That's for damn sure in all walks of life. Uh, takes a pessimistic approach to obsession of the mysterious. I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe probably caters to those who have never read a book on the subject. Absolutely. Yes. That is why, again, I'm not pumping out episodes every week about the latest and this and that discovery of this UFO and this pilot and, you know, all those things, because I'm not, I'm, I am not an expert. I, I, I do not study documents. I don't do all that kind of thing. Um, there are many, many podcasts for you to listen to if you really want, like, just constant up-to-date stuff. Um, I've, I've had my favorites have been on this show. I've been on some of their shows, uh, Jess Rogie, UAP Studies Podcast with Jason Gilmet, uh, UFO Jane, Texas. Th- those those are, are great shows if you want to keep up on like everything that's going on. Uh, and I intend to have most of those people on in the coming months too, um, to uh, touch base again. And then they can like, you know, school you on what's really going on. And I'll just listen. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I'm not going to edit that out. It takes so much time to edit out little uh, grunts and groans. Who cares? A real person, a contradictory character. Uh, yeah, and uh, another guest. I'm, I'm trying to. I got invited on uh, this fucking Star Wars YouTube channel, and I'm I'm considering going on it. I I don't know. It it'll be it'll be hostile. Well, relatively hostile territory. These guys aren't aren't like cocks. They're not pricks. They're 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 fine. I actually like their channel. But they can't. They they can. They can. They can get a little punchy, and uh, I've had some exchanges with them. And then they, uh, to their credit, they they looked up who I was and uh, checked out some of the shows, and uh, we uh, might do a, do a show. I, I I was invited. I don't know. I might have to see if I can uh, bring a bodyguard, Mr. Crabtree, to come with me because. Uh, He's really reasonable about Star Wars, and uh, he's also very charismatic. And maybe if I start to get like uh, kind of crazy, he can like just do the talking. And and what Bill means is, and then like explain it better than I can, because I'll be getting all fired up about Star Wars. You know, I'll be doing my old thing. Well, if you were okay with this happening in the original trilogy, then how come you can't take it now? And this, that kind of shit. Anyway, you know what I always do. Uh, but I do have another very possible guest, significant uh, Star Wars YouTuber, one of the few that I respect, and he has a large following who, who may be coming on. And I, I don't want to say the name because he might not, and then I'll look like an idiot, but that's possible. Anyway, let's talk about the UFOs. All right, so in mid-September, the uh, main astronomical observatory in Kiev, in Ukraine, reported that they had been seeing a significant significant number of objects of an unclear nature and that these objects were moving at speeds up to 33,000 miles an hour, which would be twice, according to them, twice the speed of an intercontinental ballistic missile. Now, that got me thinking because, you know, I've I've been saying this since that war started. If... If UAPs and UFOs, whatever you your preferred nomenclature, 
are interested in nuclear activity, which seems to be the case. They have been reported by credible sources, Navy pilots, military people all over the place, going back to the days of Roswell itself as having a particular interest in nuclear facilities, shutting down nuclear operations at, at, at bases, uh, you know, shutting down systems, weapons capability, doing all kinds of things like that, documented uh, at least you know, in terms of what people in the military who really have nothing to gain by saying this stuff have said. So stands to reason by that logic that if we are engaged in a war where the threat of nuclear Armageddon is actually on the fucking table, which it essentially is at this point. It's been talked about a lot. It, threats have been issued. Cryptic things have been said. And I'm sure that these higher intelligence beings flying around in these things, if that's what they are, uh, can certainly interpret uh, the kind of things that have been said and know that you know nuclear... Destruction is a possibility. So when I read this, I thought, yes, please, for God's sake, now's the time. Now's the time. Descend from the heavens, land, get out and say, knock this shit off. Disable all the nuclear weapons and like, you know, let's have, let's have peace finally. However, a couple of weeks ago, the, um, official, there was, there, was a, there was an official report who, who, who issued that report. And the National Academy of Sciences of Ukraine, NASU, not to be con- confused with the NASA, NASA, which we'll get to in a minute, concluded that uh, the investigation of UAPs by the uh, Astronomical Observatory was riddled with errors full of errors, and they officially, officially discredited it. And there's a quote uh, from uh, Reuters report that says that that they said the National Academy of Sciences of Ukraine, not the observatory, but the National Academy of Sciences, said, quote, the processing and interpretation of results were performed at an inappropriate scientific level with significant errors in determining distances to the observed objects. And they went on to say the report did not meet the professional requirements for publication of these results of scientific research and ordered that the report, uh, they ordered that their own name be removed from the document. I guess their their, their name was on there. Um, So (sighs) there's a few conclusions you can draw from that. One is, well, first of all, let me take a step back and say, when I posted that story on Instagram on our account and someone commented, if this is true, then we should start getting, you know, really high resolution images of of these spaceships. And I thought, yeah, you're right. Then someone commented and said, "Uh, no, no, because if they're moving at 33,000 miles an hour, you're not gonna be able to get pictures of them. Sort of like uh, in the movie, Nope. They're trying to get the perfect picture. You're never gonna get it. Or so far, we have not gotten it. Gotten some pretty goddamn good ones, but not the perfect one. And uh, so anyway, this uh, National Academy of Science of, of, of Ukraine says, no, the, the factual errors, it's, it's not even about the pictures. This thing can't be published. Or, you know, we take our name off it. This is bullshit. And 
it, 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 it's a it's a bummer to me because there's again to get back to what I was saying there are there's a couple of conclusions you can draw from this or you can draw no conclusion one is that it is your typical conspiracy theory it's like the Roswell headline change right flying disc discovered flying saucer discovered oh no 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 was it it wasn't a disc it wasn't a saucer it was a weather balloon well that's kind of uh it's very different saucer disc weather balloon yeah well uh, you know they, they fucked up and there's that which we know that they that there was a cover-up involved there how far you want to take that cover-up was it a ufo a spaceship or or not or just some secret military project that's it's up to you we've we've Roswell has had its day, days in court on this podcast. We're not going to relitigate that again. But the fact of the matter is, there was a cover-up. They changed the story. When the UFO story came out, they said, no, 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 not a UFO. So could this be that? Or could it be a case of this observatory seeing all kinds of weird shit in a missile-riddled sky over a war zone and not, you know, interpreting it right or not using the proper scientific methods to measure it very well, very well could be. The the uh, the NASU goes on to say, the authors do not provide arguments that natural phenomena or artificial objects of earthly origin may be among the observed UAPs. While it's unclear, article goes on to say, while it's unclear exactly what the Ukrainian astron- astronomers observed, be it artillery, bullets, bugs, or something else entirely, the impact of Russians' invasion, the Russian invasion of the country should not be ignored. Of course. Why would you say that? Don't. <laughs> it's like saying, I, okay, just because there's not UFOs, please, you shouldn't just discredit and ignore the war. Yeah, I I, I think that that's, uh, that that's fair that that. We weren't going to ignore it just because there aren't any UFOs. I don't know. Maybe some people would. No UFOs? I don't give a shit. I don't know. It could be a global, could turn the current global catastrophe. This might turn out to be a fucking World War Three. Are there UFOs? I, I'm not provable, no. that It's been discredited. Well, then I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I appreciate the article for reminding us that uh, the war is still important, be there UFOs or not. Now, another UFO story for you. NASA has just put together a UFO panel to study unclassified sightings. Unclassified sightings. So, uh, I don't know. If you want to use the term sloppy seconds, I think the, the unclassified stories have already been examined. But, you know, NASA wants to put together a crack team to take a second look. I've got no problem with it. That's fine. Uh, this is an article. This is uh, this is from Reuters, uh, a, a an actual news source, in my opinion, one of the last few that actually just reports news. Uh, they say first of its kind panel organized by NASA opened a study on Monday of what the government calls quote unidentified aerial phenomena (UAP), commonly termed UFOs, UAPs, bringing together experts from scientific fields ranging from phys- physics to astrobiology. The 16-member panel, from which I will now call the Majestic 16, convened with a little fanfare. Uh, That was my part. I'm calling them the uh, Majestic 16, not the Reuters article. 
The 16-member panel convened with little fanfare will focus its entire inquiry on unclassified sightings and other data collected from civilian government and commercial sectors, according to NASA. The team's inquiry is separate from a newly formalized Pentagon-based investigation of UAPs reported by military aviators and analyzed by US, U.S. defense and intelligence officials. The parallel NASA and Pentagon efforts highlight a turning point for the U.S. government after spending decades deflecting, debunking, and discrediting observations of UFOs dating back to the 1940s. Announcing the formation of its panel in June, NASA said, there is no evidence UAPs are extraterrestrial in origin. Then a Pentagon report issued a year earlier likewise found insufficient data to determine the nature of more than 140 credible, credible sightings documented by military observers since 2004, mostly Navy personnel. Uh, and then it goes on to talk about the, the Navy pilots, the Tic Tac, all that stuff that we, that we know and love. NASA said its panel will spend nine months devising its own strategy for how to organize and study sightings before recommending a, quote, roadmap of potential UAP data analysis by the agency going forward. Its first report will be made public in 2023. Understanding the data we have surrounding unidentified aerial phenomena is critical to helping us draw scientific conclusions about what's happening in our skies, said Thomas Zerkbuchen, Associate NASA Administrator. Data is the language of scientists and makes the unexplainable explainable. The panel is chaired by David Spurgel, who formerly headed Prince Prince University's Astrophysics Department. Other members include Anna Maria Barrera, a research affiliate at SETI uh, Institute in Mountain View, California. Yes, retired Na NASA astronaut and pilot Scott Kelly, University of Rhode Island biological oceanographer Paulo Bontempi, and University of California at San Diego astrophysicist Shelley Wright. No word about our buddy Travis uh, Arnold from... Uh, Skinwalker Ranch, but I think you know, he doesn't need to be on this one because he's already on. He's already he's working with with the actual government one, not this uh, sloppy seconds. I don't know that it's really sloppy. So I don't know that they're just taking the same exact stuff and then just like, hey, can we can we look at it too? I I, I think they're you know they're coming up with their own their own they have their own studies and everything too. But it's just it's it's all unclassified stuff. So this is not some you know big big. Uh, bombshell discovery of new information. This is just more people looking at the same stuff. But you know what? The more the merrier and good, good. The more people that study this stuff, maybe the faster we can get to a fucking conclusion because I am not getting any younger. My birthday's coming in weeks and I've been doing this podcast for seven years. So please, for the love of God, can, can, we, can, can we get the, the, the answer? Doubtful, highly doubtful, highly doubtful, but... Uh, I will continue to hope for it. I will continue to wish for it. I will continue to talk about it on this podcast. And if anything uh, develops out of that shit, I will be here to let you know about it. Also, just, you know, speaking of old stories, like I brought up Roswell before, you know, I never did a full podcast on the Majestic 12. I don't, I don't really know that it's necessary to, to do that. Well, it's a good story. So I probably will one of these days. But the thing about the Majestic 12 is that as I've talked about before, it was like this very secretive uh, group of 12, you know, people from different backgrounds that were put together 
Um, I think was it, it was was it Eisenhower or Truman? I can't remember off the top of my head. One of the two, uh, Truman, I think, that put them together to study UFOs. And and it's been for decades the the idea, the sheer idea that that group existed was maligned and attacked by every debunker uh, from here to Timbuktu. And as time goes on, it seems so ridiculous to think that that wasn't a thing you know were they called the majestic 12 i don't know but like the idea that we didn't have a group of like 12 experts and you know military people and political people and stuff sitting behind closed doors smoking cigarettes talking about ufos the idea that we didn't have that is ludicrous is ludicrous the devil is only in the details that that that's it you know the details of the story all the different uh, paperwork and, and, and stolen documents and, and, you know, uncovered documents, whether they're real, whether they're not real. The fact that there did that group in some way exist. Fucking of course, of course, I am not going to disguise myself as a skeptic or whatever that guy said, disguised as a skeptical forum. He said in his review, no, I'm not skeptical about the majestic 12 at all. They fucking existed. Again, I don't know if they were called that. I don't know if it's exactly as people uh, like Stanton Friedman and Linda Moulton Howe have described, but it certainly, goddamn, did exist. It's very, very, very uh, short-sighted to think it didn't, especially when you see now that there's just committee after committee after special group after investigative group putting being put together to, to, to look at all this stuff. It's just that back then, we didn't have the kind of media that we have now where the public could see all this stuff and wonder, why aren't you looking into this? And then they say, well, we are, and so are they, and so are they, and so are they. So now you go, there you go. It's, everyone's, everyone's looking at it. Speaking of looking at things, I love looking at Mike Flanagan movies uh, and his shows, uh, especially Midnight Mass last year, blew me away. I, I reviewed it on the podcast. I fucking loved it. Loved it. Mike Flanagan, he did uh, Haunting of Hill House, which I think is spectacular. Haunting of Bly Manor, also spectacular. Uh, he did Dr. Sleep, Oculus, um, Gerald's Game. Uh, he, he's so good. All of the, I highly recommend every single one of those things. If you, if you like horror or if you like, you know, supernatural horror, I mean, like, cause he's not, he's not like gross horror. It's not like saw that kind of thing. It's, it's ghosts, hauntings, you know, the paranormal, the supernatural, that kind of stuff. And that's like, that's my like wheelhouse when it comes to horror. I don't even fucking watch horror outside of October, but when it's October, I love me some horror that has to do with ghosts. Unless it's Michael Myers Halloween franchise, which for whatever bizarre reason I love. But I don't like it the other ones. I'm not into like Friday the 13th and nothing like that. But love the Halloween movies. And I fucking love Mike Flanagan. And when The Midnight Club dropped at the beginning of October, I was so excited. And I binged the shit out of it. And uh, I have to tell you that I was disappointed so if you have seen the midnight club i am going to speak about what i thought of it with uh in great spoiler detail if you have not seen the midnight club and intend to watch it then you should fast forward to another part of this podcast or you know turn it off 
entirely if you if you'd like to do so because I am going to to spoil it. Um, but here here's the thing, Mike Flanagan right now is currently working on a show called uh, The Fall of the House of Usher, and it's for Netflix. And it's an adaptation of an Edgar Allan Poe story. And when I watched Midnight Club, because I didn't even know it was coming out. It just like, I, I just saw the thing on Netflix saying Midnight Club from the Flanniverse collection. They've got that on Netflix now. They've got like all of his movies under one thing. I, w- I was I like was so excited. I was more excited than uh, for even for Halloween Ends. And when I watched it, I thought, is this like, because I've known about the fall of the house of Usher. That's like very highly anticipated. It's got, it's got your whole Mike Flanagan all-star cast. This fucking fall of the house of Usher. It's got your Katie, Kate, Katie, Kate Siegel, Mike Flanagan's wife. It's got your, uh, Annabeth Gish. Who's in everything. Midnight mass. She's in, uh, haunting of, uh, Hill house, Henry Thomas, who is in everything, including midnight club. Um, Bruce Greenwood, who collaborates with him all the time. Katie Parker, she's in a bunch of his stuff. Zach Guilford. Even Mark Hamill making his debut in the Flanniverse for the fall of the House of Usher, which is coming out, uh, I guess, next year sometime. So in the meantime, it seems like Mike Flanagan just threw together this, this Midnight Club thing. I mean, it's well shot, it's well, you know, done, but it's like, basically the premise is this, if you haven't seen it, and if you have seen it, this is still the premise. This girl, this young girl named Ilanka, she's I think like 18, finds out that she's got terminal thyroid cancer. So she, uh, they can't treat it, she's gonna die. So she's looking up, thyroid cancer and she finds this hospice and it's a it's basically it's like a kid's hospice for terminally ill kids where you just go to hang out with kids that are also dying and eventually die it's very depressing if if, i mean just to anybody but particularly if if you're like me and you've had someone in your family or you've known someone who was too young who died of cancer or leukemia or AIDS or anything like that, uh, that, that's, you're already like, this is going to be scary and it's already really depressing, like, like right from the jump. So it's, it's kind of hard to navigate right in the beginning, but I'm like, I'm, you know, it's Mike Flanagan. I'm I'm here for it. So I'm already feeling like really sad because she meets all the kids at the hospice. She goes there and they're all dying and, and, and they're all the, the kid acting fucking fantastic i mean there's always great acting in mike flanagan stuff and these kids are no exception and a lot of them i think are like this is their first uh you know movie or it's tv obviously but it's their first you know big thing and they're all fantastic and uh so what happens is uh ilanka shows up at this place and they have this little thing called the midnight club where all the kids gather in the library of this hospice and they tell ghost stories and there's 10 episodes. And in every single episode, a kid tells a ghost story that will eventually relate back to the overall story arc, which I'll get into in a moment. But what happens is about 25 minutes or so of every episode, which is a little under an hour, is spent 
on the ghost story that the kid is telling at the meeting of the Midnight Club. So every kid, I don't remember how many there are, like eight or something like that. So there's like eight kids and they tell, you know, a story every episode. A couple of kids tell two stories. But the stories are sometimes like you, you can really see how the story relates to the overall story arc. And sometimes it's just a complete fucking side mission. It's like, I don't what how do how does this what does this have to do with anything? Like there's this story arc where Ilanka is actually at that hospice very intentionally. She is she has researched it and she has found that there was a, a woman there. The show takes place in the mid-90s, by the way. So there was a woman there in the, in the late 60s, who was a girl at the time, who was somehow cured of the same exact disease that Alanka has. So Alanka is convinced that there is something about that property that if she can kind of unlock what it is, she can be cured, as this girl was in the late 60s, whose name was Julia Jane. <clears throat> So she's doing all this research on Julia Jane and she's telling like the headmaster of this hospice about her and the headmaster's like, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, Julia Jane, I kind of remember something about that, uh, I don't want to talk about it, which only, you know, stokes the flames of Alanka's obsession. And she goes out to the forest, there's this place, it's like, it's like uh, you know, it's this beautiful hospice home in the middle of, you know, a forest, the lakes there and everything, it's all, it's all gorgeous great place to go fucking die as a kid i guess um so yeah so she goes out into the woods and uh, this random woman who's like this herbalist you know hippie naturalist chick starts talking to her about like healing vortexes and like the, how the water's pure there and all this stuff and like you know oh you're in a healing zone and so this gets alanka really set off like how oh, this woman like she knows she knows a lot of stuff about this area and she's like the the woman's even telling Alonka like you know when planes fly over here their instruments don't read and stuff just like Skinwalker Ranch, and uh, so Ilanka Ilanka's uh, now her head is spinning with this. But when she walks around the halls of the midnight of of well, not the midnight club itself but the uh, the the hospice, you know she sees ghosts and stuff all the time, and she'll like walk into the into a ghost world. She like walks into the past, but she's still in there. But it's like these ghosts are there. And uh, there's one other dude, her friend Kevin, who also sees the ghosts, but nobody else does. And so that plot's happening, but is constantly interrupted by every episode when they go sit down at the Midnight Club and someone gets up and tells a fucking a jump scare excuse horror story. You know, they'll tell oh, I'm going to tell you a story about a night this kid went home from the club and, and there were 17 jump scares. And then they even make fun of the storytelling, like they say, you know, you can't have that many jump scares. So it's like the show making fun of itself in a way. I don't know. Nevertheless, they are eating time every episode, taking away from this very interesting story arc about this girl trying to find this mystery of this Julia Jane by interrupting it with these ghost stories that whilst good in and of themselves to a certain extent are are taking time away from the main story. And by the time you get to the last couple episodes and the big climax, it's like they've fucking clearly run out of time because they've been spending all this time on these ghost stories. They even spend one entire episode on a dream, which is like, you know, like the cheapest trick in writing. 
right? It's like you see all this stuff happen, and then at the end, ah, it was just a dream. I mean, they, you can kind of tell that it's a dream because it's happening from the perspective of this girl who's about to die. So you, this is kind of like her fantasy, but it's like still, it's an entire episode of something that didn't actually happen in the story. The the girl, what's her name? Um, oh, she's so good. Anya. She's this Irish girl who's dying. They're all dying. Don't need to keep saying that. It's depressing. Uh, so she's having this whole dream of what would happen if her if she had lived because they they decide the Midnight Club the kids decide that they're going to perform this ancient ritual on Anya because she's about to die that Ilanka learned from the Mountain Girl and from a book that she found that Julia Jane had tucked away secretly in the library. So she's got this whole uh, ritual planned out that includes like them cutting their blood in their hands and like pouring it into a bucket and like, uh, you know, using the whole like, you know, dip your finger in the blood and put a little symbol on the girl's face. And uh, and the next episode is her having this dream of what would, you know, of her surviving because of that. Turns out it didn't work. She dies. Uh, and one of the other girls, actually, it turns out she's cured, but she's not cured. They just found out that she was misdiagnosed and they found out prior to this ritual. So it, it had nothing to do with the, the, the goddamn ritual. The ritual was a fucking bust. So uh, Ilanka is like losing all hope and she goes back out to the woods and here's a hippie chick again who tells her, which is it's pretty obvious, even for an idiot like me from the beginning, that it, uh, I'm Julia Jane, of course. That's why I know all this stuff about this place. That's why I know how the ritual works. I did the ritual. That's how I lived. I'm going to take you and I'm going to save you. I'm going to take you to do the ritual. We're going to sneak into the hospice in the middle of the night and I'm going to do the ritual. So she sneaks her into the, uh, the hospice in the middle of the night, Julia Jane and, and her weird like people with robes that are going to do the ritual with her. And, and instead, uh, the, they're, they've got some sort of, she's pouring them some sort of poison. So Ilanka is going to die if she drinks this. So the, the headmaster runs like just in time, explodes into the basement and says, oh my God, Julia, you came back. God damn it. I, I've told you to stay the fuck away from this place. Ilanka, don't drink that. You're going to die. She's trying to save herself. She's got sick again. Not trying to save you. And then they cart off Julia Jane. And you're like, what the fuck happened? And then you find out, uh, you know, the, the head... Head lady sits Alanka down later and says, look, Julie Jane was crazy. She didn't get cured by any ritual. You know, she just, she went into, you know, remission. It happens. It's, it was just a freak of nature. She made a big deal out of it. Uh, but she's sick again because, you know, that's really what happens when you get cancer. And, uh, you know, she was going to try and perform some fucking bizarre ritual and it would have killed you. So you can thank me. And she's Alanka's like, oh, okay, I don't know what to think now. I guess I'm going to die. She's like, yeah, you are. And uh, then, last shot of the show, y you see this tattoo on, on the head the head lady's uh, neck that she's part of this cult that uh, initiated the rituals back in the day. The, the ones that were, uh, you know, the Julia Jane's uh, book that she hid in the library. You know, it was all about like these rituals and this cult that performed the rituals and they, they used to live on the, the property or whatever before the, the hospice was built. 
So it turns out this, this headmaster lady is also one of them. But in what capacity, it is it, completely unclear because, like, it's never really explained what the cult is. It's like they're referred to as like, well, in the old days, they were like a devil worshiping cult, but then they became this healing cult with, with Julia Jane. And, but then Julia Jane's like going to kill Lanka because she thinks it'll make her live. And then also the head mistress is also uh, one of these people. It, and that's how it ends. It just ends with all these, these, these questions like that. And I, I, I looked, I thought, okay, I'm, 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 kind of a dumbass when it comes to movies and stuff like that. So maybe I'm, I'm just missing something. So I, I went and saw, I, I went to Rotten Tomatoes because I wanted to see like, well, first I, I watched a couple of like YouTube Midnight Club ending explained and they had no explanation. Nothing better than I could come up with, which was nothing. Um, and I went to Rotten Tomatoes and I looked at the old uh, critic score versus audience score thing, which as you should know if you don't already, which I'm sure you do, because you're very smart, smarter than me, that uh, a lot of times people review bomb the shit out of shows for whatever their personal reasons are. It happens to the Star Wars shows, it happens to Marvel shows, it happens to different movies. And I went to, so you, so it's, when you see like a huge discrepancy between critic score and audience score, a lot of times that that may that may indicate that it was review bombed because it's woke or it's it's not true to the comic book or whatever the fuck their particular issue is on that particular piece of entertainment. So I go to Midnight Club and I'm looking at it right now. The critic score is 88%. The audience score is 56%. So I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe it got review bombed because the show is like pretty fucking heavy on the wokeness. I will admit it's a little in your face about it, right? Okay. And I'm, I'm coming at you from a place of, I'm a very fucking centrist type of guy. I just want everyone to get along. You know, I'm not, I don't fucking belong to any club, any party. You know, I, I understand people's uh, points of view from both sides. You know, when things get crazy on one side, I can see why the other side thinks that and vice versa crisis. This show was not review bombed. I looked at a bunch of the reviews and they all, they all said the same thing. Disappointing, shitty ending wasting time on ghost stories um you know good acting blah 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 one of them i'm just i'm scrolling through them right now just randomly i'm not there's nothing in here about like it's not just people rating it and leaving because they they didn't like something that the show represented or wasn't true to the characters or whatever, any of that horse shit the uh i'm just looking through these and there's like someone says uh <laughs> just a mess it's all over the place. It's like a high school play. And then someone else says, uh, given Mike Flanagan's prior efforts, this was shocking to me to see how terribly amateurish this storyline is. The lack of any meaningful horror. This was something out of the CW. And that's, that's not a bad, it's not a bad call. Very disappointed. This is basically caffeinated goosebumps 
way too many over-the-top wannabe jump scares that are eye-rolling. I immensely enjoy all of Flanagan's previous work, but this by far is his weakest to date. Someone else says, uh, this show is the epitome of the old bait and switch. Given Mike Flanagan's previous work and the trailers pushed by Netflix, we thought we were getting another twisting, spine-tingling horror piece. Ultimately, it turned out to be embarrassingly predictable, mind-numbingly boring. Everything from the main storyline to the episodic stories lacked any real substance. Overall, poorly written and executed. I'll think twice before watching another Mike Flanagan product. Well, I, I won't. Fuck. Uh, swing and a miss. You get one, dude. I mean, but the point is, uh, <laughs> no point at all. I felt that I wasted 10 hours of my life in so many bland, time-consuming dialogue, character development. Uh, I don't know. This person can't write, but, you know. I'll, I'll leave the final word to Philip A., who says with one star, it didn't go anywhere. There was really no point. <laughs> that's, that's it. I could have saved my, you, I could have saved you, because I don't care, my own time, whatever. I could have just saved you everything and all the spoilers by just saying what Philip A. said. Didn't go anywhere. There was really no point. And he's absolutely right. It doesn't go anywhere and there's no point. But it is, you know, the acting is good. So it's got moments. I mean, listen, part of this is just the subject matter, but also the acting. Uh, you know, there were a couple of times where like I really actually literally welled up with tears. And again, you know, you, <laughs> It's kind of a fucking cheap trick when you've got like sick kids dying. Like, of course, you know, you're going to get emotional. Any human being is going to be affected by that to some extent, especially if you've experienced such things anywhere near your life. Um, you know, it's going to it's going to do that. But like, yeah, I mean, I, I was, you know, I'm not like I don't cry much about anything ever. Not because I'm some tough cowboy. I just this is. It's not one of my physiological go-to reactions. But I there were a few times, especially with the that, that girl Anya, that that fucking chick, man, she had me like where I had to take the glasses off and wipe. You know? And then like the and then and then and then clean the glasses because of the uh the fog for my tears that were welling up in my face. So, yeah, you know, cheap, cheap attempts at uh, eliciting emotion, although well executed. I will say that. And there are a few appearances by some of Mike Flanagan's people from there's, you know, there's quite a few Midnight Mass people that pop up in and out of there. But it's all like cameo and stuff. It's all very quick. Unlike uh, Follow the House of Usher, which I am still assuming will be fantastic because once again, it has got all of your Mike Flanagan flamily of actors. Uh, it's been in the making for a long time, at least a couple of years. And I think Midnight Man was, Midnight, not Midnight Mass, sorry. I think Midnight Club was like thrown together in a fucking weekend. Seems like it. it was written in a weekend. I don't know. It's based on the work of someone named Christopher Pike. I don't, I don't read like horror stuff, so I don't know who Christopher Pike is. I, I do know Christopher Pike, the first captain of the Enterprise who uh, ended up in a uh, space wheelchair, but I don't think he's the one who wrote Midnight Club. Let's move on. Let's get to the creme de la creme, the piece de resistance of this podcast every Halloween for the last couple of years. And that is Halloween ends. And uh, let me retract my statement of creme de la creme because 
And here we go. Spoilers. If you haven't seen Halloween Ends and you, and you want to, I'm, I'm going to talk spoilers. If you have seen it, yeah, up to you. And uh, there isn't really any other option. You either have or have not seen it. Here's the deal. Uh, yeah, not creme de la creme. Not, not good. Not good. And really, again, like I'm not in any sort of minority when I say this. People don't like it. There's actually, there's a petition. There's literally a petition. Here's how fans get. There's literally a petition to, to have that movie remade that's running around. I, it's got like 6,000 signatures, but that's the fact that it exists uh, is, is amusing to me. I don't think that the ending, I'll, I'll go backwards because let me just tell you what I did like about it first. <clears throat> the ending was satisfying to me. Because, and again, spoiler alert, Michael Myers is barely in the movie at all. And I'll get to that and why that sucks. But just know this is, we're getting to the end of the movie at this point. He's hardly been in it in, at all. It's, he's hardly been in it at all. He stumbles into uh, Laurie Strode's kitchen. They have their little fight. It's kind of underwhelming. I mean... He's this gigantic man and she is uh, an older woman and he clearly has the advantage over everyone that he ever faces. Even if it's a fucking mob of people, he still can, you know, kill all of them. So him against Laurie, it's reminiscent of the original movie. They have some callbacks. It's nice. They do it well, but it's, it's kind of an underwhelming fight. I will give them this only though. Part of the reason he's not in the movie a lot and part of the reason that he is that Laurie is able to subdue him is because they actually do make him severely hobbled by the absolute shit kicking that he took at the end of the second movie Halloween Kills where he is beaten and I think he shot a couple of times I I don't know I remember because I know that there's another of the Halloween sequels from the 90s where he actually is just like riddled with bullets and yet still lives. I think in Halloween Kills he gets shot maybe once or twice, but he gets the shit kicked out of him. He d- he gets beaten to to what would be anyone's death several times, but of course he lives. However, I will give this movie this one thing. I'll give it two things. The first is you don't see him a lot in the movie because he's hiding out in the sewer and he's like he's fucked up from that. Like he, you know, he didn't go to a hospital or anything. He just lied in the sewer and like, you know, he didn't heal properly. So he kind of hobbles. He's not like, he doesn't have the brisk Michael Myers walk that, you know, we've all come to know and love. So he's kind of fucked up. So he, like Lori is able to, 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 you know, pull a move on him and kind of trick him by fucking with his mask. And then like he, you know, he, he, like takes his arms off her because he never wants his mask taken off and she uses that to her advantage sticks a knife through him kind of almost like a crucifixion onto the kitchen island and then she pushes the refrigerator over on top of him and then uh, stabs him with another knife right in the fucking chest and then her daughter shows up whom she's been at odds with again because I'll get it I'll get into that part of it in a minute but still we're gonna finish up with the ending the daughter comes and she's like, you know, let's let's polish him off, right? So they they slit his throat, all the blood coming out, 
they slid his wrist long ways, long ways for results, short ways for attention, as they say. All the blood comes out. The man is devoid of blood. He's gotten, he's dead. And then uh, Laurie Stroh, Jamie Lee Curtis says, he's dead. And the daughter says, not dead enough. And I love that because I've always thought with these super killers from horror movies, like why don't, you know, what they, they, they knock them out and they just leave them there or they shoot them and they leave them there. Even in that one Halloween movie I was just talking about where they shoot them and they, they riddle them with bullets. They let him float down like this river so that he can be alive in the next movie. Not in this one. She's not dead enough. The cops show up and they say, and they're like, we're going to fucking take Michael Myers. They don't say this, but they, but this is what they do. Is that they, they take him to like a, a sawmill or something. I don't know. It's got this gigantic grinder in it. But what they do is they put him on top of a truck with a police escort. And then somehow word gets out to the town like immediately. I think the cop even says like, let the town know, like they need this. And another cop's like, this is not how we do stuff. And the other cop says, it is tonight. And so they put Michael Myers on a truck and they drive him to this factory mill or whatever. And they throw his ass into this grinder and you see a full shot no cuts, no close-ups, no trickery. One shot of his body being completely crushed, torn apart, and ripped to the smithereens. And there is absolutely nothing left of it. The man is dead. And then we have a little exchange a few days later with Laurie Strode and the, and the cop from the first movie that's still around about... Uh, flower blossoms and stuff. And, and then like the last shot of the movie is the fact that she kept Michael Myers mask in her house. So I don't know if that's some, you know, cue of Michael Myers is going to come again, but he's not coming again in this, in this particular universe. And as I have talked about many shows in many, many Halloween episodes, uh, I, I, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing again, because you, you've heard it to death. If you listen to this regularly and if, if you do, thank you so much, honestly. And if you don't listen to this regularly, again, go to poptalkingaliens.com. There's tons of episodes about the Halloween franchise. But basically, there's three different, there's four separate, like, multiverses of, the, of Halloween. There's, there's this particular one that we're on now, which is original Halloween 1978, then 2018 Halloween, then Halloween Kills, then Halloween Ends. Those four. Never in that string of movies are Michael Myers and Laurie Strode, brother and sister. It's just those four movies. Then the other one is, the other sequence is uh, Halloween 1, Halloween 2, skip Halloween 3 because it's an anthology movie, Season of the Witch, totally has nothing to do with Michael Myers or anything. It can live in the Halloween universe. It can live in any of the multi-universes. It can live in none of them. It doesn't matter. Side movie. So, We've already got the, the, the one timeline. Then the second one is Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. And that's the one where they're brother and sister. And that also then features Laurie's daughter being chased by Michael Myers because Jamie Lee Curtis is only in the first two. Then the third multiverse is Halloween 1, Halloween 2, Skip four, five, and six, and you go to Halloween H2O, 
which has uh, Jamie Lee Curtis return again. Still brother and sister in this one, but you take out all the other ones with the daughter and all that stuff. Then after that, you get Halloween Resurrection 2002. And that one, Laurie Strode dies, and she's only in it for like five minutes. And the rest of it is about Buster Rhymes and Katie Sackhoff live streaming from Michael Myers' uh, childhood home. And that's the end of the road for that one. Then you've got Rob Zombie Halloween and Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Obviously, those exist on their own. It's a different interpretation. They are what they are, whatever. I thought his first one was kind of an interesting take. I thought the second one was a pile of shit. It's about the same as Halloween. Halloween Kills being the second movie of this new trilogy and Halloween 2 by Rob Zombie, very similar in that they suck and it's just a bloodbath all the time. Now, let me just quickly and quickly, because I don't even want to talk about this because it honestly fucking disappointed me because I've been looking forward to, especially after Halloween Kills was such a disappointment. I was really looking forward to Halloween ends, hoping, hoping that it would be good. but It was not. And uh, so what happens is they introduce a new character, this new kid named Corey, and he, he, he's a babysitter. He, the movie opens with him babysitting and he accidentally kills the kid that he's babysitting. So he becomes this outcast. And then uh, uh, Lori recognizes his outcastness. So she introduces him to her daughter. And then her daughter and him become like really close friends. But uh, something, the fact that he's been ostracized by everyone, everyone treats him like shit. They you know, call him child killer and everything, even though it totally clearly was not, not his, his fault. It was an accident. The, the kid was fucking around in the beginning of the movie. And the kid really just got himself killed. And poor Corey was there. And so, you know, he's blamed, but it was ruled accidental or whatever. So he, you know, he lives his life, but everyone hates him. They make fun of him and they beat him up. And eventually he, uh, he gets beaten up and he gets like thrown into this fucking ditch. And that just so happens to be where Michael Myers is hanging out in a sewer near the ditch. So he goes into the ditch and he, and, uh, Michael Myers beats him up a little bit, but, uh, he makes it out because Michael Myers, again, he's all hobbled. And then the, 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 the kid, Corey, he fucking stabs this homeless guy outside and he gets like a bloodlust. So eventually through, he keeps going back to Michael Myers's like uh, sewer. Meanwhile, still dating uh, Jamie Lee Curtis Jr., um, the daughter. And uh, it's not really Jamie Lee Curtis Jr., but Laurie Strode's daughter. He's dating her and, and getting weirder and weirder, but not telling her that like he's killing people. And so finally, like Michael Myers, like finds him and, and Michael Myers goes in and kills his first kill of the movie. And it's like, you know, the movie's almost over at this point. And he finally, you know, stabs this girl to death and, and Corey's there and, and Corey gets a hold of his fucking mask. And so Corey puts on the mask and he goes and kills some people with the Michael Myers mask on. So now, and again, even an idiot like me can see this the duality of, of, of humans thing that Corey is both the babysitter and Michael Myers. That's how we're finishing up, right? Like the, the evil in all of us, that kind of thing, all that stuff's going on. So he's got the mask. He, <laughs> he kills a couple people. And then he, finally he, he goes into Lori's house cause he's looking for the daughter and Lori fucking kills him. She doesn't mean to, but she's trying to like subdue him and he's trying to kill her. So she kills him and he's fucking dead. And then Michael Myers shows up, gets his mask back 
that's when he follows Lori to her house and then all the stuff that I just told you about earlier happens. But the goddamn movie for an hour plus just focuses on this kid, Corey, and he's dating Laurie Strode's daughter and Laurie Strode is kind of popping in and out here and there. Like she's got a big role, but not really. She's important, but she's also a side character because they decided to go with a new character in the very last Halloween movie. And then yet he's not part of the climax or anything. He doesn't really tie into the story. All he does is to, all he serves to do as a character is to uh, get Michael Myers to come out of his hole, literally. And then to stoke up a new fight between the daughter and the mom because she doesn't like that she's realizing that Corey's evil and she's telling her daughter, I'm sorry I introduced you to him. Stop dating him. He's fucking crazy. You know, evil comes in many shapes. Oh, actually, third thing I will give the movie credit for. In the opening credits, they got the original dude who played Michael Myers to play Michael Myers. And in the opening credits, he is credited as the shape, which is what Michael Myers originally was in the first movie. He's the shape, the shape of evil. He, he is Michael Myers, the person, but he's more than that. Dr. Loomis is always calling him it, that, all that stuff, pure evil. So they, you know, there's a little bit of that. And then there's like Laurie Strode throughout the movies writing a book about her experiences and she refers to him as the shape. And so there's like, there's some stuff in there. There's some, there's a few bones that they throw your way if you're a Halloween fan like me. I'll say this, I, I still like this one better than Halloween Kills, but at least Halloween Kills, the flashbacks they had in that movie to the original movie were fucking flawless. They were really, really good. They just, there weren't very many of them and everything that came in between them was so bad that it was even worse than this one. Because at least this one is like character driven. It's not just how many different ways can Michael Myers kill someone and how disgusting can we make it be. So that that is Halloween ends. And I'll tell you another thing. I was reading an interview with the, uh, with the director, David Gordon Green, who co-writes these with Danny McBride and a couple of other guys in this one. I think there were a lot of writers who credited them this last one, but... He was saying, you know, he was talking to John Carpenter, who wrote the original and was a producer on this one, has been a producer on these, this new batch since 2018. And John Carpenter was saying, yeah, you know, when I made Halloween three season of the witch, I wanted it to go in a different direction. I didn't want it. To, I didn't want to just make movies about Michael Myers and Laurie Strode over and over and over again. So I, I went this, you know, let's explore a different type of evil, but it's under, you know, it'll be called Halloween and we'll make a bunch of movies like this, but they'll all be these different side stories. And, and I think that David Gordon Green was kind of going for that. Like it's the last movie, but we're going to tell you a new story and it's going to be about this kid, Corey, but we're already invested through, you know, and it's his own fault for making such a good fucking movie in 2018 when he made the, the, the follow-up to the original Halloween, skipping all the horse shit in between. It's his own fault for reinvesting us in Laurie Strode and Michael Myers, not in, well, we're going to have two movies about them and then we're going to introduce a new character. Why not just remake Season of the Witch? Call it a day. It was so disappointing. I'm looking right now at a list, ladies and gentlemen, of all the Halloween movies. And uh, Halloween 1, 1978, masterpiece. Halloween 2, 1981, it's good. 
I, I, I don't like the brother-sister thing, but I, I didn't mind it at the time. But it's, it's all right. It's good. I'll give it, uh, I'll score them, I'll score them on an A to F grade. Halloween 1, A+. Plus. Halloween 2, it's, it's a B+. Plus. Then you got Halloween C, uh, 3, Seasons of the Witch. It's actually really, it's a fun, that's a good 80s creepy fucking horror movie. I shouldn't say fun. It's, it's actually very creepy. It stands up. It stands up well in, in, in because of things like Stranger Things. Like if you've seen Stranger Things and you like it and then you go back and watch like Season of the Witch, it won't be jarring and dated. It'll seem like nostalgic and 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 correct because Stranger Things borrows from so many of those types of movies. Stranger Things has done a great service to old 80s movies um, of those types of genres by making that cool again. So like if you go watch Season of the Witch, especially the music, the music is like full on Stranger Things type analog synths and all that. Anyway, so that's separate, but I, I give Halloween Season of the Witch uh, also a B plus. Halloween 4, Return of Michael Myers. Uh, that one, I'm, I'm going to give that one a solid C. Uh, Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. Uh, th- that one, probably an F. That's the one where the entire town kills him. And then he stays alive. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. This is where you find out that the reason he didn't die from all those bullets is because he's actually cursed. And that there is actually literally a supernatural aspect to him. That he was raised by these like these uh, like witches and stuff. Not to be confused with Season of the Witch. That has nothing to do with Michael Myers. I already said that. And you already know that before. But uh, Curse of Michael Myers, he's actually cursed, and and there's this whole like 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 creepy the you know spirit type people that are like compelling him to kill people, and uh, that's as far as they could take that one. I'm, I'm going to give that one an F. Uh, no, no, you know what? I'm not going to give it an F. I'm going to give that one a D plus because actually the I, the fact that they went there and decided, hey, you know what? It's gotten so ridiculous with him getting rid of the bullets. What if we just say that he actually has superpowers? I'll give him a D plus for that. Passing grade. Halloween H2O 20 years later. This is when Jamie Lee Curtis comes back. It's a big deal. That was the, you know, this is the, the first real reboot of it. It's a C. It's a decent, it's a decent movie. It's good to have her back. Uh, Halloween Resurrection with the Buster Rhymes. Um, that's like a, a, a D plus also. You're getting the trend here that these, I don't think these movies are very good to begin with. So why am I so disappointed? Because the promise of the 2018 one, because let me go, let me skip the Rob Zombies. Those are just whatever they are. The next one, Halloween 2018, the real reboot, the reboot of reboots. A plus, A plus right along with 1978. Halloween kills, F. Halloween ends, F plus. F plus and the plus is only because they did actually kill him in the end. I'm sure Michael Myers will be on screen again at some point. There will be some sort of reboot, but it will have to be a reboot. They can't continue on this particular storyline. They will have to open up a fourth timeline or have him. You know, it's not going to be the Corey thing either. I thought they were setting this Corey kid up as like, oh, he's going to be the new Michael Myers. So they can keep making these. Now he's clearly dead. He is very clearly dead. Nothing left of that guy either. So nothing left of anybody. But I'm sure, you know, this movie uh, has done apparently tremendously well on Peacock and it 
it's done well enough at the box office to make its money back because it doesn't cost a lot to make these fucking things. So the rights to this movie um, have, now that this movie's over, have gone from Universal back to um, the producer whose name is, uh, I believe, um, Malik Akkad, who was the son of the original producer whose name was, uh, I believe, Mustafa Akkad. So this the Akkad Jr. can now do whatever the fuck he wants with Halloween, and I'm sure putting it away in a drawer and letting it rest until the end of time is not one of those things. So I just hope it's going to be several years before Michael Myers returns again in some new capacity. And I personally, like, I've, I've, I've lost interest. Th- this attempt, particularly with 2018... I thought it was such a, a a cool thing to do at the right time. It had been so many years since the, since they had fucked with Halloween. I thought this is great and what a way to do it. And, and they they really kind of just pissed everything away. And you know, it's not Star Wars, so I'm not just gonna show up because it says fucking Halloween on it. And you know how I am. If you've listened to this, if it says Star Wars, I'll at least show up. I might not always like it, but I'll always show up. I'm not gonna show up for Halloween unless they really pull a some sort of magical Cobra Kai trick, but they've already done that. They can't do it. No, no, no. I'm not going to argue with myself anymore. There's no more options for it. Just let it be. Please just let it be. All right. Let it be. And uh, for you, I hope you have a wonderful Halloween for 2022. I will, there's uh, many more shows to come. Uh, The Walking Dead, if if you've stuck around with that at all, is going to be over soon. And, uh, I, I will ask our friend, uh, Mr. Crabtree, if he wants to have a final, uh, God, how long has that show been on? 12 years? Maybe we can have a, I, he might still watch it. I think he does. I think like me, he has been sticking it out. Last time we talked about it, he was. We'll see. Maybe he'll want to join us. And some other guests coming up in the next uh, few months or so. So have, have yourself a, a wonderful Halloween. Enjoy it however you like, um, you know be the fucking naughty nurse, dress up as Michael Myers, don't do anything, watch a horror movie, don't watch a horror movie. Whatever you do, it's all good with me. But thanks for listening to this podcast. I really do appreciate it. Cue the hot chick. Pop Talk and Aliens, the William Clear Podcast.